I want to welcome you this morning to uh, Living Hope Church God. My name is Pastor Mona Stevens, and we are finishing our last part of the series called Run with Perseverance. Now, I've been told by my translating team that I have to slow down. And you and I know that's kind of complicated for me. And so I'm going to ask you to pray for me because I need a lot of it. I am so uh, amazed at what God has done as we ran this race since the beginning of this year. And all of you here today can come to that same conclusion as we did this morning when we sang the goodness of God, that God has been good to us, amen? Amen. And he has been faithful, and we know that we want to complete our race, but now we need to ask ourselves, how do we do that? How do we finish off, how do we finish off well this race of life? All of us have a race. We happen to be those that are believers. We have a race with God while we run this race of life. He comes and he he covers, he gives, he instructs, he empowers. And I don't know how anybody can run this race of life without that understanding that God is big. God is sovereign. God is is in control. And so I want to start off with the quote that we, one of the quotes that we had last week, and I want to start it off today with that quote. And it says, therefore, let us run towards heaven by keeping the eyes of our heart fixed on the one who is already there. Who's already there, beloved? Jesus. And he says, the one who has already run the race and came in first the one who stands victorious in the heavenly places and is waiting to share that victory with you and I. Let us keep our minds and our hearts fixed on Christ who holds the price at the finish line. He is the price. The the price is his presence. And I think we kind of overlook that as we run the race, as we run into some difficulties and how we become (laughs) weary in our troubles and all of the things that are upon us. And just last week, I was listening to Sarah, who had Sarah's uh, a young woman that comes to this church, and she lives with us. And she was telling me her story of when she did the New York Marathon. You hear me? Sarah, at the age of 19, did the New York Marathon 26.2 miles. Yes, you see, we thought she was great, but now we're going to see her as amazing. (laughs) The story is not just about her. It's really about the similarities. And as she was talking to me about her marathon and all that it took, I started getting excited. I'm going, hold on, let me get a piece of paper. Because I started seeing the similarities of our walk with God. And how, you know, how the organizers had prepared all of the runners ahead of time to tell them, the, gave them ample information because they wanted them to have a good experience in the New York Marathon. They gave them instructions to how to ready themselves for the race. They told them how many miles they were going to run. They're, they told them there were going to be markers at every uh, in every junction of their race. And they reminded them that they needed to actually be prepared because the crowd was also part of that race as well. And I went, my goodness. 
goodness. If we went back the last three weeks, we saw how God has prepared us for this race. You see, I think we don't connect the dots. God said to us in the last three weeks that we need to throw off everything that hinders, that easily entangles us as we're running the race. Now, he's talking about sin. He's talking about, you know, seeing things through the wrong grid. And he's giving us all these instructions. He says, we're not alone in running. He says, let us Go forward. We're not alone. In 1 Corinthians 9, it says, run to win the prize, but make sure you do not run aimlessly. I'm going, everything she was telling me about the marathon and how those organizers were saying, you know, mark your pace, be sure, do this. And I'm going, God has given us the same thing. He's given us goals and purpose, and a purpose in our race. Second Timothy, Paul says, I, you, know, you need to fight well for the faith. You need to fight right as you run forward. And then Colossians 3 tells us that we have to set our minds on the things that are above and get your mind ready and put to death those things that slow you down. I started realizing that there are many things that slow us down, many things that would slow Sarah down in her, 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 her marathon. And so I started putting the two together. As Sarah continued her story, she started sharing with me just the different things that they put in place so that they concede in their race. Uh, I realized at that moment, I really didn't understand a whole lot about marathons. And as she was talking about all the preparations and all the things that the organizers did so they can succeed, I went, God, I, 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 I just missed that because I know that God gives us everything to succeed. But so many of us, we don't connect faith. We don't connect the goodness. We don't connect the power of God to our race of life. She told me that most marathoners, the ones that are really elite ones, and you'll see it, like, you know, these are the elite ones. I mean, you got muscle over muscle. These people, they, they do exercise, get ready for months and months for this one race. All right. Now, Sarah, they, they, these elite runners, they have a, a different starting time than just the regular runners, like the ones you saw at the beginning. The regular runners, they come for a different purpose. They come to because they run for charity. Sarah ran for charity. Others run because they just want to experience it. I, I, I don't know about you, but 26.2 miles, nah, I don't want to experience that. But so she was in that, that point where, you know, she was running for a goal. She had a purpose in hand. And so she started actually preparing herself for this race. And her goal wasn't to finish first. Her goal was just to finish. Just to finish. See, God has set before us many things. Now, we know that life itself could be gruesome. Life could be hard and messy. And I love how the organizers started uh, sharing that they put markers all along the path and indicators for them how long they have and how, you know, how much time they have to run this race. Now, the one thing they did is that they would put uh, pace setters. I saw this. It was pretty amazing. These people, they run the race. They're a group, maybe six to eight people, who have little flags. And there's numbers on them. And so they already know how they're going to 
you know, set their pace. And it's amazing because when you start the race, they're there until the half mark. When you start the race, everybody goes to where they need to be paced. So if you are fast paced, you're going to go to 8.2 or, you know, 6.1. You follow those that have the pacemakers. And literally a group of people will follow the one pacemaker. The other one would follow another. And it's amazing how they succinctly know, okay, this is how I've got to keep the pace in order to win this race. They also have uh, markers that after, before the halfway mark, it's every five miles. So every five miles, they put a marker. You've done five miles. You've got 22 left. You just (laughs) 21 left. And then at the halfway mark, it's every mile. But they don't only just put a marker. They put a table with people who have food, water, and gel for the pain for the legs. Now, people, I'm telling you, they really want them to win. So when people are running the race, they would run with the racers and rub their legs with this gel for their pain so that they can continue. But it was Sarah's choice to go to whatever table or whatever marker she needed to stop in order to go. She had a choice to go or not, to try to persevere without those tables, but they were there. It made me realize that that's what God did for us. As we saw last week, we saw that God gave us a community of believers so that we can actually not run alone. We have people in this body that sets up a table every day for you, and they have water, and the water of the word. And some of them, you know, they soothe you when you're in pain. And that's the purpose of the body. Ephesians 4 to 16 says this. He makes the whole body fit together, what? Perfectly as each part does its own special work. Now, all of us have to do, just like the racers, everybody had a thing to do. He says, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is what? Healthy, growing, and full of love. Last week, we saw the importance of understanding that running together brings us safety. It develops a safety net under us. So when we are in trouble, because I know when she was running, there were times she got in trouble. She, her lungs were burning, her legs, and she didn't know she can continue. But then she'd see a marker, and she'd head over to the table and eat a little something to keep her energies going, and they'd rub her leg as she'd be running. And so all of those things, she understood she couldn't really truly run this marathon marathon alone. And I believe that's their, our truth as well. She also explained how important that, that the markers were for finishing the race. I know that God gives us markers and also gives us indicators when something is wrong, doesn't he not? Sometimes God says, go for water. Oh, you need some energy. Oh, you need to, to help with that pain that you have. And most of us, we have those indicators of something that something is wrong, but we don't go and get our resources. We stay independent. And what we don't understand is that as we try to run this race, we'll trip, we'll stumble, and we won't make it. And it's the same thing. God gives us indicators when to go. He gives us choices to obey or not, to listen or not, to submit or not, a choice to let people run with you or not, people to aid you as you walk and, or not. 
And the goal, as Ephesians says, is that so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. That's why we do it. Just like the marathon, there are markers in our own race, times where we have to receive and accept what God has given us so that we can run well. The word of God, the praying, the fellowship, everything that he's given us. He's given us indicators when we have unhealthy patterns and behaviors that are hindering our ability to grow and to be full of love. The question is always, will you trust God to bring you to the finish line? It's the same thing with Sarah. Could she continue to trust God and trust the organizers that they would be there with the markers and indicators when she needed the help? Could she trust how they put it all together so she can finish the race? Well, we are asking, God is asking us to trust his faithfulness, to trust his ability to walk us through this. You see, God, I love this quote, God does the heavy lifting, our work, is to serve as witnesses to his grace and mercy. God desires to have a relationship with us, to build on trust. He demonstrates his trustworthiness through his character and his faithfulness. There are many things in this world that try to persuade us to trust anything other than God. But I believe it holds us back. I believe it pushes God to the side, and then we wonder why we're, we're limping in our race. He calls us to a place of our, to trust him, to trust his promises that he's given us so that we can flourish and finish the, uh, finish the race. Isaiah 26, 3, 4 says, I'm really hot, so I have no choice, or else I'm just going to faint. So, yeah, and then I'll just ask anybody else to come and finish for me. Isaiah 26, 3, 4 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. See, what Sarah finished was an, an amazing feat. She's... She, Remember, she was 19, and she said, don't put this online. <laughs> I went, okay, I'll try. Okay, guys, don't put it online. But when she finished the race, this is something that really touched me. When she finished the race, she said that as she's coming to the end of the, the, the race and she saw the finish line, there was a whole bunch of people there with blankets, and they ran up to her to cover her. I mean, these people don't even know her, but they were just as excited and rejoicing that she finished. It wasn't about when, uh, what position she had. It, she just finished. That, that's what I call grace. That's what we need to do with each other. Just finish the race. We need each other to finish the race. So they just went, and they surrounded her with blankets. They gave her water, and then they handed her her medal. You finished. And I know one day we will look at each other and say, we finished. We finished. And she did it just under 4.4, 4 hours and 47 minutes. Her first marathon. As I said, she was not first. But to her, it didn't matter. What mattered is she finished. 
And so sometimes us, we let our problems and our failures matter more than the goal that God said, let me use that problem. Let me use that failure to develop you into a great woman and a great man of God. We all run the race of life, but I believe sometimes as we run, we become hopeless. I believe she experienced it as she was walking it. Can I finish this race? Maybe that's you today. Am I able to finish this race? We know now from what we've heard in the last three weeks, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, in which we find, well, we need to find our pace. What's good for you? You see, we do the comparisons job quite often, don't we? We think that we don't measure up. But what if I told you it wasn't not about measuring up who's stronger and who isn't, who finishes first and who isn't, who's not going to finish. I hope all of us are going to finish the race. But it's really about setting a pace and saying, God, I'm going to do these spiritual blood, uh, principles in order to grow, in order to go forward. You see, we need the right faith, the right perspective as we run. We need to fight well as we run until we finish the race together. And that's where spiritual disciplines come into play. We all face battles, beloved, but we must be firmly persuaded that God's faithfulness and his promises are over us at all moments. Because there will be times, like I said, like Sarah, where you will feel your struggle brings a lot of hopelessness. Now, other words for the word hopeless is actually moments of despair. Has anybody experienced that? Deep despair, discouragement, desperation. Come on. We've all experienced that. But in those times, we need to see what the Bible tells us about the biblical heroes that we heard have, who had experienced this. We know that in, in the scriptures, he says that Moses and Elijah had moments of great discouragement. For Moses, God prescribed the help of 72 uh, 72 elders. You know, God is going to prescribe you something in your time of desperation, but will you be okay to say yes to it? I think in our pride, we don't get it. We don't get that God gives us resources, sometimes in the leader that he sends you, or a brother and sister, and we just don't think it matches up. But God says, in your desperation, can you trust me? Can you trust me that I know your course? I know the steps you're about to take, and you need this in order to go forward. Even as Elijah, when he was going through that, he knew he needed to take a time of withdrawal in a solitary place where the Lord met him. So some of us here, we have to stop being busy. We have to stop putting, bringing in the distractions. We need to start seeking God like we've never have and be still and quiet until God makes himself known to you. Stop running. J. Allsworth Sanders says this, Who among us has not experienced that nameless feeling of misery and hopelessness? Sanders points out that in those times, hope is important. Why? Because our initial reaction to hopelessness, despair, desperation is to begin to wish a change of circumstance. And unfortunately, instead of fixing our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, what we do is we fix our eyes where, beloved? On the problem. 
And what happens, that gets us entangled with the problems and all of the discouragement and the emotional upheaval that happens. And it hinders us from going forward. But Paul in Romans 5 gives us another take on how hope relates to our trials. And the purpose of our trials is to develop perseverance, i.e. the whole title of our messages, run with perseverance. Without hope, you will not persevere. Romans 5, 1, 6, let me show you. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserving privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to the sharing of God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop, he says the word here, endurance. King James is perseverance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Even in the darkest times, even when it is the worst of times for us, our trial should be a catalyst for us to develop perseverance to go straight back to God. Many times when we are under attack or under tremendous trials, we don't run back to God. We run within ourselves. We try to fix it. We try within our own strength to fix it. And we find ourselves tripping every time. We know that perseverance means being persistent despite the difficulties. Are you being persistent in your pursuit of God in your misery today? Yeah. Yeah. Do what, how do we feel with delays? When we face delays, do we get, go through the trials without compromising or wavering on our beliefs? Is God God? Does he say what he, does he mean what he says? Can we trust the great I am, Jehovah Jireh, all-powerful, all-knowing? Can we stand in that place? Many of us, beloved, if we're really honest, we'd say no. But you know, that's a good place to be. Because if I'm aware that I don't trust God enough in my troubles, then I have an opportunity, don't I? To move away from how I deal with my troubles and move into what God and how God is going to help me. Just like Elijah and Moses. You see, God has the answer for you. God has the answer. Seeking and waiting for hope apart from hardship is not the answer. It's not the answer. True hope enters our hearts when we respond to difficult, difficult circumstances through the working of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ in us. Jesus understood that the terrible trials he faced were all for a greater purpose. Can you say that? I think if we don't understand hope, we don't understand how deep and wide he loves us, then circumstances do define us. But they shouldn't. 
God loved us so much that he used hardship and death in Jesus' life to bring about victory for us. When we humble ourselves before God and allow Christ to live in us, he begins to stir us, steer us towards that greater purpose through perseverance. The more we persevere in Christ, the more character is able to be developed in us. The more character we develop, the more hope we have. I didn't see that connection between the three things, but so many times, because we have no hope, we don't persevere, and our character doesn't get transformed. We just go back to the old and the old and the old. But I have a new life before me. I have a new identity. I'm a new creation. Why would I want to go to the old when trials come? No, I have a new way. Verse 5 takes it one step further, and this is where I'm finishing fairly quick in about another 20 minutes. I'm just joking. Five, five it does actually goes, reminds of, us of the great gift and comfort God has given us in him. He said, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. It's not, it's going to be, it has. Does this mean you and I will never be disappointed? No. It means that if you are in Jesus, in Christ, your hope will never die. It will never die. That's the confident expectation. No matter how dark it is, you're going to be okay. It will always be renewed. Your hope will be rooted in love that is so deep that it led the perfect son of God to the cross so that he might be a sacrifice for very imperfect beings. Wearsby says this. Paul tells us how wonderful it is to be a Christian. Our justification is not simply a guarantee of heaven. It's as exciting that as, as that is. But it is also the source of tremendous blessings that we enjoy here and now as we run. You see, many of us forfeit those blessings because we want to do it our way. Many of us don't experience the blessing of joy, peace, and strength when your troubles come because you do not trust God to run that race with you. Many of us run alone because we prefer running alone because we fear being exposed. We fear being rejected and abandoned. But all of those things, God has already settled at the cross. We need to make a decision. So what are those blessings? Let me show you. We've, we have access to God. Love this quote. It says, peace with God takes care of our past. He will no longer hold our sins against us. Access to God by faith takes care of our present. We can come to Christ at any time for the help we need. We need to ask ourselves, are we running to Christ for the help that we need? We have strength and tribulation. Trials purify us and develop our character, and it should not draw us away from God, but it should draw us back to God. So ask yourself, I know some of you are really going through some heavy-duty stuff right now. Is it drawing you closer to God? Or has it caused you distance? You see, the access is yours no matter what. But we can have a diminished access because we hold on to things we should be not holding on to. Many of us in our own selfishness and rebellion and pride, and I'm, I'm counting myself into that, is that we actually diminish that very access that Jesus died for. And instead of going to get my help there, I go within myself. Last time I checked, I have to sleep. 
You know, I love one, Psalm 121. God knows my coming and going. He never sleeps, nor does he slumber. <laughs> I love it because, you see, he's on 24-7. I can't. And so we must release herself. Romans says this, God's love given through the Holy Spirit fills our heart. God proved his love by sending his son to die for us. Now that we are his children, surely he would love us more. It's amazing why we think we even, we even actually reject and question God's love. He's already done the greatest act of all. He sent his son to die for those who didn't even want him. So why would we ever even doubt that he loves us in our race right now? The inner experience of love changes us and sustains us as we go through problems and trials. Instead of being, you know, uh, our trials being a stumbling block, they become stepping stones to knowing how to run well for the future. Finally, we will be saved from God's condemnation. This is what the hope is all about. God did not declare war on humanity. Instead, he sent his son as a peacemaker that, that people might be reconciled to God. If God saved us when we were his enemies, surely he will keep, us, save, keep on saving us now that we are his children. Why do we doubt it? That is why the race of life we should never be spectators. We should never be spectators. We need to run to obtain the price. The price. And what is our prize? 1 Thessalonians 2.19 says, And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And then he goes on in 2 Timothy 4, 8. He says, God blesses those who patiently, oh, don't we just hate that word, patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There are many different such crowns that I wish I had more time to talk about, but those things are worthy to keep in our, in, in our eyesight because we actually let too many things rob us of our end. We must press forward no matter what we'll be facing in the days to come. One day, we will face God and our works will be judged. This should encourage us to press forward no matter what, not focus on our problems, but God and his promises to bring us home. He said, I'll bring you home, Mona. I know how to take care of my children. We need to run the race together and with purpose. I want to run because I want to hear him say, good and faithful servant. You see, my crown will be a little different, but yet a lot of us will be getting all the same crowns. And I don't know about you, but I want to run well. I want to fight well. I want to do the right things in order for me to go forward. And I want to finish off with this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. 2 Timothy 4, 2, 5, and 7. I'll start with 2. You need to see this, because this is not just about, even though this is a pastoral letter, I think in the days that we're, we're in right now, I think we all need this. In the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you 
this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and in out of season. Correct, rebuke, and courage with great patience and careful instructions. Verse three and four, it says that because we are living in a time where people do not want sound doctrine and their itching ears don't want truth anymore, they, they will turn away from the truth. And that's why he tells Paul, please take up this mantle. Start speaking truth to as many people as you can. And then he says this, but you keep your head in all situations. Can I tell you that today? You keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist, discharge all your duties in your ministry. And then, and then he says, one that we know very well, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Will we be able to say that at the end? You see, hopelessness, discouragement, despairing, we need to understand that God wants to deal with that. He wants you to come to the altar today to get prayed for. If you need to be refreshed, if you really need a realigning and say, God, I've just focused on my problems. I need you. I need you to renew my heart and my mind. I need you to set before me that perspective that one day I will stand before you. And today does matter. I have all that I need to make today matter. Don't let your discouragement, your desperation cause you to walk away from God or not to draw to God. Run to Him now while you can. Run and He will come and meet you where you are.